Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. It is time for Talk of the Town here on KTOE. And my name is Lisa Kay. On the phone with us, Focus on Egg. It's a great newsletter. It's written by Kent TC, the farm management analyst and senior vice president from MinStar Bank. Kent, how have you been since the last time I spoke with you? Well, doing good. Uh, just trying to get through the winter. You know, I guess... Uh, Fortunately, I guess we had a little snow early in the month of January, but later on, not a lot of snow, but just cold weather. And seems like the winter's been dragging on a long time. It kind of feels no, like it. The normal length, but it seems longer than normal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, as we're going to talk about weather and how that impacts everything. I know the last time I talked to you, we were talking about the moisture that was needed and kind of a slow melt would be better than a fast melt and maybe even some precip expected for us here. So what are the farmers looking at? Yeah, I think, you know, um, obviously, uh for most farmers, uh, they're they're like everybody else. A lot of their yards have a lot of ice in it, packed snow, which has turned to ice. And this time of year, uh, a lot of farmers have grain to haul in that they've forward contracted, uh, corn and soybeans to the processing plants and grain elevators. So uh, to make their yards a little more manageable certainly would be good. Now, obviously, if if we get a lot of rain and melt and the ground isn't frozen, that can create another problem with uh, a lot of mud and stuff. But uh, obviously, if we can get some moisture going in the ground, uh, out in the fields especially, that would be a positive here to help replenish our soil moisture rather than having a quick snow melt and having it all run off. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of different situations there. I mean... You hear different reports of frost depth uh, from folks, uh, some saying that the frost depth is fairly shallow, others saying it's fairly deep. So probably depends where you are, but certainly to see some warmer weather is good. You know, one thing I think farmers need to do <clears throat> when you get the big temperature fluctuations like we've had is to check your grain bins because grain bins, uh, when you get temperature variation, uh in the temperature of the grain that's in the bin that can lead to some spoilage. So what happens is uh, we have the very cold spell, so that outside part of the grain can be at uh, very cold temperatures. Uh, It kind of cools the grain down in the bin, and then all of a sudden it warms up real fast like it's going to this week, and that's when you can start having some problems when the outside grain gets way warmer than the inside and sometimes it's good when you get a warmer pattern like this just run the aeration fans a day or two to kind of equalize the temperature in a bin but uh, sometimes uh, uh, in the winter you don't think about that but that can uh, when you get a 50 degree difference in temperature like we're kind of having here where we're down we were 10 to 20 below zero and now we're going to be 30 to 40 above zero uh uh, that could cause that, those kind of problems out there. I guess that's something that, you know, like me growing up in the city wouldn't have realized in the past that you have to control that condensation and such. Is that is is that a problem? Yeah. No, it's it's good, and, and it's always good, and it's never fun to crawl up and check grain bins in the middle of the winter, but it, sometimes even just running the fans can take care of the problem. Uh, but it's always good to check bins for storage problems, and you don't think about it, but... Uh, you know, if you got a, a hundred thousand uh, or a fifty thousand bushel bin of corn, uh, 
uh, you got quite a bit of quite a lot of dollars sitting in that bin that if it goes out of condition can be a big loss at six dollars a bushel so uh, it's certainly worth uh, worth taking the time to go up there and uh, check that out because uh, can easily lose uh, several uh, even well over a hundred thousand dollars real quick if uh, grain goes out of condition. I know that you and I have talked about the the U.S. drought monitor before. Have there been any changes in that? What is it measuring? Well, it has. You know, the moisture patterns. Uh, you know, in, in addition to, uh, you know, we've had above normal snowfall here in southern Minnesota, but. If you followed the weather at all, they've been having record snowfalls out in some areas of California and Nevada and Colorado and states like that. And and obviously they were extremely dry. They've been in several years of drought, concerns over water supplies and everything. And the good news is uh, they aren't completely out of the woods as far as drought, but certainly uh, things have improved a lot, uh, really from Colorado west uh the drought monitor has shown considerable improvement from where we were back uh, uh, around Thanksgiving time. So that's good news. And even in our area, they've kind of eased back a little uh, on the areas that are in severe to extreme drought, uh, especially in Minnesota and the Dakotas and uh, really uh, eastern Corn Belt. Now, if you go from and in northern Texas up through Kansas, Nebraska, and the northwest Iowa, there's still a big drought concern. And that is the area, you know, some of the long-range forecasters are f- focusing on as we go forward, which, you know, isn't that far from southern Minnesota that it could uh, get in there. And, of course, we uh, came out of last year with very low levels of stored soil moisture. So I would say we're not out of the concern, but certainly – the weather patterns and the moisture we've been getting have helped improve the outlook for drought as we head into the 2023 growing season. So many factors. We want everything to be absolutely perfect as we head into the new season. Um, and we talk a little bit about uh, the money of it all and managing these these tighter margins and crop production in 2023. What do you have to say for us there? <clears throat> well, obviously, we've talked about this, I think, uh, previous months that Input costs uh, to produce uh, crops and livestock have continued to go up and uh, throughout most of 2022 and early 2023. And specifically for crop production, uh, you know, seed, fertilizer, chemicals, fuel, uh, labor costs, repairs, uh, almost every input there is uh, has gone up considerably from where it was a couple years ago. So the cost of producing a uh, acre of corn or soybeans is is a lot higher than it was. So if you're getting the same market price, uh, your margins are getting tighter. Now, there is a little bit of good news. Uh, obviously, fuel prices have eased a little bit from their high point mid-year last year, but they're still higher than they were, uh, say, two years ago or even probably last year because producers had locked it in. And same with fertilizer costs. Of course, we had... Uh, Record high fertilizer costs uh, mid-year last year. Now, again, some farmers had locked in those fertilizer inputs for last year prior to that price going up. But uh, prices right now for both fuel and fertilizer are probably similar to where they were a year ago at this time. But compared to two years ago, 
went a lot, or were people maybe some farmers locked in their fertilizer prices, they're still quite a bit higher. So the margins will be tighter in 23. And uh, so far, the market prices uh, and projections are pretty strong. Uh, actually, if you look at uh, market projections for corn and soybeans right now, are pretty similar to where they were a year ago. And of course, we had a nice uh, spike in prices last year into the spring and early summer months. Now, whether that'll happen again this year, we don't know. There's, you know, I, the supplies are fairly tight, so there's potential for that. But a lot may depend on how the South American crop ends up and what happens with weather prospects. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But definitely, we're facing tighter margins. So I I think. Uh, Farmers need to pay attention a little more to uh, managing those margins by locking in input costs, by uh, using uh, markets, uh, maybe forward pricing some crop to take some of that risk out of that. Uh, All of that, I think, uh, comes into play there. And, you know, you you can say cut costs. I think you want to optimize costs. I always like to use the word optimize because just cutting costs – uh, if you if you have excess costs, obviously reducing your expenditures uh, can be a good thing. But if you're you you don't want to uh, reduce cut costs to a point where you maybe affect yields uh, or production, and and so there's always kind of a a magical line there where <clears throat> where that line is of where you can uh, maybe reduce some costs or control some costs without impacting the bottom line. So. And every farm is different on where that point is. Kent, I know we've talked about some of the other things that go into the costs, like the land rents that were going up and interest rates and things like that. Uh, how do they focus on those now? Well, uh, land rent, you know, we've talked, I think, last time about land values and how they've risen and they've continued to stay strong. But cash rental rates have went up accordingly, partly because of land values going up, but also uh because farmers have been more profitable, uh, uh, <clears throat> landowners have uh, kind of <clears throat> also increased their uh, land rental rates accordingly. And in some cases, that's not just driven by the landlords and landowners, but by farm operators. Farm operators, because there's been more profit in crop production, have been willing to offer higher rental rates to landlords to try and secure more land. So. Uh, there is uh, definitely some upward pressure on land rental rates. Interest rates, uh, again, last week, the Federal Reserve uh, raised the prime interest rate another quarter percent. So uh, a year ago at this time, before they started raising it, we were we started out 2022, the prime rate was 3.25%. Today, it's 7.75. So it's went up uh, considerably from where it was a year ago. And obviously, interest rates that are charged by banks and farm credit service and other financial institutions have went up along with that. And so for many farmers, they're... Uh, operating line of credit for putting in this year's crop or to, for livestock production is probably uh, about double what it was last year. And so if they're uh, borrowing any amount of money uh, <clears throat> for crop or livestock production, uh, that becomes a much bigger cost and a much bigger factor in their break even than it was a year or two ago. So it is something to, uh, you know, uh, keep in mind. I think uh, also, farmers, as they're looking forward or 
uh, with their businesses need to be use some caution on buying some of the land, especially uh, if it's uh, priced at a high level or other capital improvements. Now, obviously, when you have a couple of very profitable years like we had in 2021 and 22, is a good time to upgrade machinery, maybe upgrade grain handling setups, put that extra tile in. But as margins get tighter, I think that's when farm operators need to pay attention to that a little more, especially if they're going to borrow some money and have to make some payments on part of that. So uh, good analysis, uh, working good communications, working with uh, farm business management advisors, instructors, uh, other financial advisors, ag lenders is always a good thing. And communication within the family unit or with business partners, if you're in a family corporation or a family partnership, uh, good to really analyze those decisions before moving forward. Talk of the Town today is all about Focus on Ag with Kent Tesey, our farm management analyst and senior vice president from MinStar Bank. I know during the next few weeks, farm operators are going to be taking a look at their crop insurance decisions for the upcoming year. What should they be looking at? We've got a deadline coming up in March, correct? Right. <clears throat> March 15th is a big uh, deadline date for farmers. Uh, that's the <clears throat> excuse me. That's the date that they have to uh, make their annual. Uh, decision for farm program sign-up, which option of the farm program at local farm service agency offices. March 15th is also the deadline to enroll in in federal crop insurance for the 2023 crop year. And uh, so it it is important, and both of those decisions kind of tie into our last discussion about risk management on the farm because uh, the farm program basically does provide a safety net uh, if price, uh, prices drop below uh, uh, considerably from current levels or uh, if there's a big yield drop uh, in an area like from drought or something. And crop insurance is still one of the best risk management tools out there because farmers can uh, – Uh, individually insure their crop on their own farms, either in general through what's called enterprise units on all acres of corn or soybeans on their farm, or they can get down to individual farm units if they have several farms. And uh, they use uh, average yields from the past, uh, proven yields, which uh, uh, with the the price guarantees for crop insurance are set according to uh, the Chicago Board of Trade prices, the average in the month of February. So Farmers can get some pretty good crop insurance guarantees and buy up to 85% coverage uh, through federal crop insurance with some potential for buy-up options through private companies. So uh, it's a good time to sit down with a good crop insurance agent and really uh, go through some analysis on the different products and and compare what the insurance premiums are. Now, a lot of the premiums are subsidized by the federal government, so that keeps the premium levels fairly low. Uh, But farmers do pay, and there is a big difference uh, as you ramp up the coverage of what those premium costs are. So good to take a look at that. Uh, It's a very good risk management tool out there. And uh, as I always say, it's a lot of farmers and their families can sleep a lot better at night if they know they got good insurance coverage on that big investment they have in the crop. Where do we get more info for that and uh, anything that we need to know pertaining to the next farm bill? 
Well, the next farm bill, I, I should mention that crop insurance is part of the farm bill, and uh, when times are good, uh, the uh, naysayers of crop insurance usually come out of the woodwork to say, well, we don't need crop insurance. It's an expenditure we can save in the federal government. But as we know, uh, farming is very cyclical, and uh, I think it, if if you ask most farmers, the most important thing to them in the farm bill is to keep a good crop insurance program there. So hopefully that will happen. If uh, anyone wants more information on crop insurance or the farm program, they can just shoot me an email at kent.tc at minstarbank.com. All right. Some other topics that are are hot button topics now, egg prices, and there's kind of an end of the era going on with John Deere. Yeah, we I just I just threw in kind of a potpourri of some topics. Uh, obviously, the high egg prices have had a lot of national attention here in recent weeks, and and uh, we've seen the high you know record egg prices more than double where they were a year ago. And you know, a big cause of that was the avian flu outbreak in 2022 that cut down the number of laying flocks in the country uh, and just the overall inflationary trends in the country. Now, the good news is. Um, you can replenish the uh, uh, chicken flock in the country, the egg-laying flock, fairly quickly. And so the the numbers are improving out there with the number of birds. So there is some hope, I think, that these egg prices uh, could ease back a little bit here uh, as we get further down the year. I, I threw in there, too, about... Uh, Lamb purchases that made the news here a week or so ago that Joe Burrow, who was in uh, recently in the AFC football championship with the Cincinnati Bengals, teamed up with NBA player Blake Griffin and several other uh, um, sports stars, and they formed a kind of a conglomerate to buy farmland in Iowa. And it's just uh, become kind of a new trend, I think, or not a new not a new trend, but a increasing trend of. Uh, Outside buyers buying farmland, of course, for years, Ted Turner and Bill Gates have been in the news for that, buying up a lot of farmland, certain parts of the country, or buying land, I guess, not necessarily farmland. This is more interesting because it was actually tillable farmland where it wasn't uh, open ranch country or something like that. The last thing I had on my list was the end of an era with John Deere. Uh, they announced a couple weeks ago they're no longer going to manufacture moldboard plows. And, of course, if we grew for everyone that grew up in farm country, we remember turning over the soil with the moldboard plows. And, and nowadays, of course, uh, different tillage equipment. We leave a lot more residue on the surface. And uh, moldboard plows are not used nearly as extensively. And uh, they started making plows, moldboard plows, back in 1837, oh, so wow. 185 years ago. So that is a big uh, end of an era, end of a tradition, I guess, for John Deere. Wow, as we move on and uh, new equipment takes its place, huh? That's right, new equipment and, why well, I guess, more environmentally friendly equipment and saves the soil and captures more carbon, all of the, all of the above. Kent, uh, we love talking to you. If somebody is listening and saying, you know, great information, I'd like that delivered directly to my inbox, you can get a Focus on Ag newsletter directly from you as well. How do we go about doing that? Uh, Just send me an email, kent.tc at minstarbank.com, 
or you can go to the MinStar Bank website and find that information as well. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you in the month of March, or maybe a little bit, I don't know, I I hesitate to say a little bit of snow melt, because you never know what happens in March. (laughs) Well, I guess we got a, the groundhog did see its shadow, so... uh, it means winter isn't quite over yet, right? <laughs> Not quite yet. <laughs> Kent TC, thank you so much for your time with us today on KTOE and Focus on Ag. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds great.